we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what. You bugging ass Jeff, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> Get out of bed for eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Tiger? I'd say you've had enough. Um, How are you, son? Good, Beso. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm healthy this week. Yeah, I know. It's, it's an unusual. It's an unusual enough experience that I'm enjoying it. You kind of look rested. <laughs> <laughs> well, a week off will do that to you. In which I did nothing at all except, oh no, I baked some sourdough. I made oh. I made a carrot cake. Each with varying degrees of success. How'd your sourdough go? No. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't have the proving basket thing. See, and it's you know it's quite a long process, mm. and you put it in your proving basket in the fridge overnight, and then you're supposed to tip it out really gently. And I put it in an aluminium bread tray, and I didn't put enough flour in, and it stuck to the sides. And I think. As I was tipping it out, because I've had to sort of pull it off the sides, I've pushed at it too much and it's lost all its air. Ah. So it was very, very dense. Was it nice though? No, it was too dense. <laughs> it was like it was like this table. <laughs> um, yeah. Ah, dear. Are you liking that wine? As much as I like white, that's not too bad. Do you it's not almost, like white? No, not really. Why didn't you have a red white? Oh, no, you got the white out. Oh, no, you said I'll have a white wine, didn't you? I said I'll have a wine. Oh, <laughs> they reach behind you. There's shot loads of red up there. No, no that's all right. Oh, no, it's not that I don't like white wine. It's just that I don't, I don't normally drink it. Yeah, right. I don't drink it often either, actually. In summer, I'll drink a little bit. This is a Fiano. I've never heard of it. It tastes almost cidery. Oh, it does. It's quite nice. It's got a um, like a real fruity sort of. Mm, I don't know. It's from Ballandina State, so this was given to me the weekend because I was babysitting a sausage dog. Oh, okay. Someone dropped off their sausage dog on Friday, and I just watched the three. They all they did for two days was all try to hump each other. <laughs> it was like this pyramid of dogs. <laughs> anyway, that was a thank you present. No, that's not too it's bad. quite nice. It'd be really refreshing after a swim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets hotter. Ooh, and then I baked a carrot cake. Yeah. To which I had three different recipes. Oh, so which version did you go? Do you go um, thick and stodgy or do you go light? Um, well, I don't know. I've never, <laughs> I don't have anything to compare it to. I tried Shirley's. Oh, yeah. Because... Um, um, I don't know why I didn't try Mel Kettles. Mel Kettles and Shirley's were reasonably similar and Everyday Cooks was like two cakes and you put the cream cheese in the middle. I'm like, oh, that's too much sticking around. I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing with Shirley's was, so I did it sort of, I think I did it half size because I've got a small, like, you know, one of those ring yeah. baking silicon things. Mm-hmm. So I did that, did it up, 
took it out of the oven, <laughs> went up to have a sleep, came back downstairs and Vanessa and Curtis had eaten half my cake before I'd done the icing. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll halve the icing because it's half a cake. And it was still a good centimetre <laughs> all over the cake, this cream cheese icing, which is very nice cream cheese icing. What's the highlight of carrot cake? Well, let's face it, it's mm. cream cheese icing. I like the moistness of carrot cake. Mm. I really like carrot cake. I'm not a massive sweet sort of person, but I'm, I'm, I don't mind carrot cake. I do this beautiful carrot cake, which is it's kind of weird because it's got flaked almonds through it. And egg whites, you fold egg whites to it so it's quite airy and the flaked almonds give it some crunch and it's got lemon zest. Mm. It's really delicious. It's different than your normal. This had walnuts in it, but I put, I didn't have any walnuts, so I put. Um, walnuts? Pe- they like walnuts? Pecans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Oh, very nice. I really like pecans. I need to grow pecans. Yeah, I love pecans. Isn't it funny? You know how you got food memories of weird stuff? Yeah. Um, one of my first food memories is my mum, we went overseas because my dad didn't want to go because he loves Australia. So he pulled out of this trip overseas with my mum at the last minute. So I went. <laughs> and we went to California. Was it California? Where's Disney World? Florida. Florida. Is that pecan country? Anyway, wherever pecan country was. <laughs> and we had pecan pie. Oh, yeah. And I can, I'll never forget it. It was just the most amazing pecan pie ever. And, uh, and I became totally obsessed with pecans. Sorry, that's my phone. Whistling at me. Um, and then we're at Disney World, which, as my mother said, <laughs> my idea of hell is three days in Disney, <laughs> Disney World. World. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether I'd really Because it was Disney. hell on earth. And um, we kept on trying to disappear and find a vegetable. That's right. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, my uncle went, do you want an ice cream? And I went, yeah, yeah, I love an ice cream. So off he goes for like an hour. We don't see him battling the crowds. And he comes back with this half-melted ice cream, but it was pecan ice cream with pecans through it. My God, it was the best ice cream I've ever eaten still to this day. I, when I think of pecans, my mind just goes straight back to that ice cream. Shit, it was good. Um, Curtis helped me make the cake. Uh-huh. He was pretty excited by that. Mm. Like he's getting into his cooking now. Cool. Can crack an egg now. Mm. So that's good. Stir. And he, was, he loves carrots. So he's very excited to have cake that had carrot in it. Did you think it was weird having cake with vegetables in it? No. No. Oh. He's excited that he was having two of his things that he liked. Carrots and cake. <laughs> wow. That was, that was a bonus. I can have cake. And we so that we, we're um, to stop him hassling us for things that he wants all the time. So you know, chocolates or ice blocks or chocolate milk or mm. so he's got a rule that he can have one treat a day. Yeah, and this is on days where he's home, and he he gets to pick when it is, and he gets to pick what it is. Mm. So he'll ask you. Is this a treat, Dad? Is this a treat? Does this count as one of my treats? Because <laughs> if it is, I don't know if I want it. <laughs> We're having, driving home the other day and I had those, you know, those fruit biscuits, you know, the ones with the, like, um, sort of like dried fruit in between two biscuits. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I've given him one and he's looked at it and he's like, 
this is a pretty fancy biscuit. <laughs> and then he sort of sat there and thought about it for a while. And then he's gone, Dad, is this biscuit a treat? <laughs> and was it? I said, uh, probably not, mate. He goes, oh, I don't think I want it anyway. <laughs> he was worried that it would count as like half a treat. When he'd get home, mum would know, and he'd only get a little bit of chocolate milk. Oh, he's hilarious the way he processes stuff. Oh, that's funny. That's a good idea, though. Well, then then it's not like, you know, you, it's, it's up to them to delay the gratification. Mm. You're not sort of saying no all the time. No. So it's like, yeah, well, you, if you want an ice block at 6.30 in the morning, go crazy, but then yeah. you've got the rest of the day. No more later. It's like, well, have you had your ice block already? Yeah, well, you can't have your chocolate milk now sort of thing. So, and and oh, it, because he's wow. a sort of thoughtful kid, yeah. it works quite well. Mm. She's pretty clever, Vanessa. She comes up with yeah. good stuff like that. That's a really good tip for anyone out there with kids. Mm. Take that one up. But I think you got to start it that way. Yeah, I think it would be hard to enforce retrospectively if you all of a sudden <laughs> you're going from yeah, six ice rules. blocks. Yeah, we're, we're changing the rules. But And the other one I've started doing too is because he always wants um, a juice in a sippy cup for dinner. So to try and cut down on them, to try and get him to eat a bit, uh, drink a bit more water, I've got a, you know, one of those colourful water bottles. Oh. And I, I have a glass of water and I'm like, I'm having a glass of water. Do you want a glass of water? And, of course, whatever I'm having, he, he wants. So then he has a glass of water. So mm. he's been having water with dinner as well. Wow. A bit boring for you, but, yeah. I can always have, I can always have a wine later. <laughs> I've probably been drinking a bit too much red wine lately. So. Well, oh, that's good. Is that but, all the cooking you did over the whole week? Oh no! I cook some. I cook some dinners and stuff, but I didn't do too much exciting. I've got twenty-four duck eggs coming this afternoon. So, pasta tonight? Not tonight because I don't get home till nine. But yeah, the flatmates requested a chicken pesto pasta. Is he? Mm. <laughs> so I think I'll try and do something different with the pesto. What did you do different with pesto? Uh, different. Like I use you like use rocket and oh, yeah, use yeah, different yeah, right. nuts and yeah. feta cheese instead of parmesan and yeah, pesto at our house is very rarely basil pine nuts. Yeah. They when my pine nut tree grows, oh, <laughs> pesto for days. <laughs> it's starting to get little tiny. Um, so you know. When it's young, you get little tiny pine cones, and it's getting little tiny pine cones. Oh, wow. So That's still, cool. Still got another four years or something to wait. Imagine how good those pine nuts are going to be, though. Yeah. That's like the other day mm. I um, got sent some asparagus by the Australian mm. Asparagus Council. You I did see that. that. Did my bit and tweeted it, what I was meant to do. Now, where would have that come from? Because... I don't know. I must be on a list somewhere. No, no, but my, like my asparagus is. Oh, Cooey Rub, I reckon. Not Victoria. E Victoria, okay. Not even close to Cooey. They say that 95% of our asparagus comes from Victoria. Yeah, right. Everybody should have an asparagus plant in their garden. Shit, it was good. And I did that the first night. I just did it with a poached egg. Yeah. It wasn't a duck egg, but it was a very nice egg. Yeah, it's a. Yeah. Poaching duck eggs, do you have to do anything different? 
are their whites, do their whites behave differently? Because, you know, when you stir, like you create your vortex yeah. or whatever and you drop your egg in and it sort of yeah. adheres to the yolk. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm getting pretty decent at it now with the chicken egg. Like mm-hmm. I can get that nice sort of folded over look. Yeah. But I did duck eggs the other night, last week actually, and they were fresh. But the white sort of spread out you everywhere. Know what? Fresh eggs are different to older eggs. It's like milk; it all behaves differently. Oh, so you fresh product. So it's. I always thought it was really fresh egg with poached eggs. Is it not? Well, I don't know. Maybe duck egg just behaves differently. Like, yeah. Let's Google that. It, maybe it's still know. um. It still tasted pretty good. <laughs> like all the white sort of. It just didn't have that lovely, you know, yeah. when you get it on a yeah, at, it all at a, folds over at a cafe mm. or whatever, and it's all nice. Mm. Trimmed up and beautiful. Oh, cool. Yeah, I had duck eggs and poached duck egg on some chorizo and toast. Fancy. I just like comfort food after training. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're just hungry. I haven't done exercise for a while, but I remember. (laughs) (laughs) You remember what it's like. We went out sailing on Sunday. So my girlfriend said, do you want to come out sailing? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Love to. I don't know if you remember Sunday, but there wasn't a breath of wind. No, it was a lovely day. It was a beautiful day. <laughs> so we've all piled on, you know, this sailboat. We put the motor on and we motored out to Morton Island. Then we're just bobbing around drinking champagne and <laughs> I made some lunch and everyone kind of bought snacks or, you know, it was nice like snackville. And um, that was it. We got back and we all got oh, exhausted. <laughs> That's the same thing. It was hard. The sea does that to you, though. There's something oh that's... Oh, my gosh. I remember coming home. We used to go to the reef a lot when I was a kid. And, you know, you're sitting, essentially sitting in a boat all day. You're not... You can't move. Yeah, you're not, like, running around. And, like, I was a pretty active kid, so being at home, I would have been running around. But I used to come home, and I'd usually fall asleep yeah. in the boat on in the afternoon on the way home. Yeah. I was so, exhausted. I wasn't tr- jumping around the boat. I wasn't drinking champagne, though, so yeah. I don't have that excuse. This is Kira's. Um, yeah, I thought it might be. Kumquat. Um, oh, it's great with cheese. Mm. Kumquat jam with cheese. I shouldn't eat too much. I can't help it. I kind of like when I like podcast days because I don't eat lunch because I know I'm going to eat half a block of cheese. cheese. Well, that's why when I get home, I'm like, well, I don't need much. I've, I've eaten a metric ton of cheese this afternoon. <laughs> oh, I do. I have some very exciting news. I have lots of news, actually. What? Uh, so my farmer mate rang me up the other day while I was on holidays. Farmer mate. From He's the guy that. Is that your neighbour? Yeah, that lives down the back of me. <laughs> And we've been chatting about because beef's so expensive at the moment. Yeah. Been talking about um, he's going to fence my boundary fences and he'll use the bottom two thirds of my place, which is all getting overgrown anyway, because I don't have a cow on there at the moment. And he'll run a couple of extra cattle and a couple of extra cattle basically pay for the fences. Yeah. So that's good. And then he went to, he buys a lot of, People just you know around the district because he's got because he's got a truck that he can move stuff with. He just buys anything that's going, you know, and fattens it up and sells it to to the abattoirs. And he rings me up and he goes, "Oh, I went out to get some. I bought some steers from this guy. These four 
a couple of calves and a couple of steers off this bloke. And I went out to pick them up and um, they were Jersey cows. And I said, oh, okay. And the guy was selling his place. He's getting out of his sort of 20-acre block or whatever. And he said, oh, what's, what are you doing with the two girls over there? And he said, oh, he said, oh, I don't think I'll get anything for them. He said, they're six years old. He said, they're hand milk cows. I've been hand milking them all their lives. But, um, you know, they're a bit old and no one will, no one will take them. Like you can milk a cow for 12 years. Yeah. But, but most people don't want to buy a sort of six or seven-year-old cow. And Jamie goes, oh, okay, well, how much you want for them? I'll take them as well. I said, ah, oh, no, you just have them, mate. So Jamie's got me two cows that are trained to being hand milked. So, and he awesome. said he just milks them like basically standing out in the open, um, which is just unbelievable luck. And he's taken her back to Beliver and they'll go in with the bull and and cool. um, I think Jamie will take the dairy cow that I got because she's never been milked before, never been hand milked before. So she might be a bit problematic but he said well we'll put her in calf and see how she goes anyway but he'll put these other two in calf and i'll say cool what's it now september maybe march next don't, year don't tell the squad no don't oh, tell well, the squad. uh to, to be to be honest you get, need it for your own clan oh yeah my milk bill is just insane absolutely insane and that's and they're only Little, <laughs> I hate to yeah. think for when they're like teenagers. <laughs> yeah. What kind of milk do you buy now that you're buying it? Um, I buy three. The Mulaney Dairies, mm-hmm. the Scenic Rim, and Norco have a, um, yeah. which is a Woolies one. But I think it's actually important to buy those lines off Woolworths so I can see the demand. Mm. So, and I tell you, mm. my they're always gone. Yes, they go, they're always gone. <laughs> and, I, and I make a point of going up to the register if I've got the last couple. Go up to the service desk and say, "Hey, this is the last two of this. It happens all the time. Can you please mm. go from two little rows and get rid of your nineteen thousand rows of?" Home brand dollar a litre milk. Yeah. And sell more of this, please. And she says, sure, I'll tell the manager. Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, yeah, love, I worked for Franklin's for seven years. I know exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> you're going to go on your bike, pal. But it, I think it's – I actually um, I tweeted Mulaney Dairies when I was going to – um, the, uh, the other IGR by Mulaney Gary's from, mm. and I said to him, "Can you please tell the people at Coomera to order enough of your milk? Because I keep coming in on a Sunday afternoon, and there's none left. You know, so I'm buying, mm. you know, something else, or I'm buying it in the one liter ones because you've got no threes or twos. And they're like, well, you know, we'll give them as much as they want. We're not constrained in our supply. Mm. Um." So, you know, obviously their rep would have rung up IGA and said, uh, we're getting complaints that you're not keeping yeah. our milk stocked up because, you know, otherwise you've got to support those little guys. Oh, yeah. It's like when I do do my shopping at the supermarket. Honestly, I spend so much money because you're just like, I'll buy that little thing, I'll buy that little thing. Mm. 
Because, you know. The one that's getting me at the moment is no rum and raisin ice cream in supermarkets anywhere. Oh, really? No. They've all gone. They've all gone with that stupid salted, <laughs> salted caramel, caramel. peanut shit. And um, what was the one I bought? So my flatmate loves loves ice cream and they had um, blueberry and cheesecake ice cream. Oh. <laughs> so I bought him a bucket of that. Oh. I know. It's like I can't even look at all those pictures on social media of those stupid donuts and crazy way out milkshakes. I think I've been off sugar for a while. I'm sick of <laughs> what? That just looks disgusting. Who eat that? Or maybe I've just got old. Do you um do you follow Munchies? The website? No. So it's like a it's like food, but they do a bit of food delivered after midnight or No, it's like it's like a food web it's like a it's like a food channel. They do a lot of videos and so you'd be awesome on it. It's all sort of alternative sort of food. There's a little bit of marijuana food on there. Um, but they had this, what do they call it? Not your mother's chocolate cake. <laughs> and so it was like he baked a big rectangular, um, really thick, dense chocolate cake. Mm. And then he had a mould and he got chocolate wafer biscuits and crunched them up and put them with something to set them and put them in the bottom of the mould and then he put the first, so he cut two circles out of this chocolate cake that were, I don't know, about three centimetres or two centimetres smaller than the mould. Mm. So he put the first one in and then he made this, is it a mousse or a ganache? Yeah, both different flavour. I think it was more a mousse. Mm. Made this big pot of mousse up, yeah. bowl of mousse up and then poured it in until it sort of came up two-thirds the way and then floated the other chocolate cake on top and then more. That is so stoner food. And then more mousse and then you freeze it. You freeze it. You don't chill it. You freeze it. And then you take it back out and let it sort of come up to a bit of temperature, but you have to freeze it, not chill it. But, yeah, when he cut it, it looked amazing because it had, wow, you know, this thick, dark chocolate cake through it with a lighter mousse. It was quite a complicated yeah. chocolate cake. And anyway, Curtis and I sat there and watched him make this cake. It was pretty <laughs> entrancing watching this guy because it was like a, yeah, like a proper dessert chef at a big hotel somewhere in America. So. Yeah, right. My favourite cooking show at the moment, which you would get if it's on Foxtel. Oh, no, maybe it's on Fred Air. It's called um, The Chef Abroad. Oh, okay. No, I haven't heard of oh, that it's one. It's cool. It's all different chefs. Yeah. They'll just send a chef and they'll send him off to somewhere where he's always wanted to go, wherever. Okay. And off they pop to somewhere. I'll have to see if I can find it on a video demand somewhere. Yeah, it's good. It's cool because it's kind of like how I travel, so I feel like it's like the realest travel show I've seen. Seen, yeah. So they'll go somewhere and they'll end up staying in a little hut. Like this chick, she went to like the French Swiss border and went up and was with all these guys that make the piece of wood that wraps around the cheese. Oh, yeah. And so they went up and they were out with the lumberjacks, you know, felling the trees and then the cheese cutters would come along and do this thing and they're made locally with the 
cypress pines or whatever it are and they yep. charge 35 cents for a wrap that goes around and then but now they've started importing them because they're coming in at 15 cents a wrap from china or something ridiculous yeah and it's all that stuff but it's fascinating that was like i was watching i was like watching something on cider and uh you know like the old english not the not the english sort of um not not the the cider makers that were you know the commercial ones all the little sort of yeah the the cider um like the the groups that the communities that get together and they make cider and they you know the community has like a little shed and they own a big press yeah. and they go and get all the windfall apples and, yeah. and you know different apples from different whatever and every little group makes their own different cider but they were chatting to the guy who was the head of this this chapter of the cider community yeah, and he was saying that um, China in one year planted as many apple trees as there is in the whole of Europe <gasps> in one year. So most British and European cider now comes from concentrated apple juice from one type of apple Freaking China. out of China. So wouldn't it be amazing if, if China just, just discovered food diversity and went, okay, well, well we're going to grow lots of stuff, but instead of growing as much apples as Europe in one apple, let's grow 50, 60 different types of apples. Because really that stuff like that worries me, that the fact that all those old breeds of fruit are just disappearing mm. unless, you know, because they reckon in even in Tassie, like you just can't get the same variety of apples that you used to be able to get. I oh, know we're relying on some weirdo somewhere keeping yeah, one of each going. Pretty much. So that at some point we can go, oh, look. Like there's those. There I've, I've never had them. They want some Orfiano? Just a little bit, please. Make you run fast. <laughs> It'll maybe do something. <laughs> um, is it the Bramley? It's like a pie apple yeah. and it's a really, really, you would have had them in Victoria, I guess. Yeah. I've never eaten one. I would like to try one. Oh, we used to have a farm and we had the most amazing apples, this tree. I don't know, don't know what it was because I was too young to care. But we had a tree out the front of our house and it was loaded with apples and they were really tart but sweet and crunchy. Yeah. I mean, you can't find apples like that. But we just, just take for granted. We'd pick laundry baskets full of them and we'd yeah. just eat them for, you know, weeks. Oh. I don't know what they were. I should ask, actually. I don't know whether it's a conscious thing, but I think um, so uh, sort of six or seven years ago, I remember I went through a period, I'd buy a piece of fruit from Woolies and I'd bite into this apple and it was just flowery crap and I'd take one bite and I'd toss it and I'd get a mandarin from Woolies and I'd have one piece and toss it, you know, just wooden. But lately the fruit I've been getting, Curtis, has been quite... So we've been getting these little seedless mandarins for the boys yeah. and they're really quite nice. Mm. And I just wonder whether it's a little bit more competition from Aldi and those things or something seems to have forced them to be upping the quality of the produce well, that I they're getting. I think it's consumer demand. I think at this time, I mean, you can't ever underestimate the power of that master chef mm. and what it's done to the produce that we're offered in those supermarkets. I mean, you know, that's incredible. And I do because, yeah, everything was 
fruit and veggies were shit. Terrible. Terrible. Whereas now they're okay. I mean, I just start like buying because I'd rather go to a Macrovat market. I still think you, you can definitely yeah. like. The, they're much better. The peach tree that I just, we had this peach tree out the front of the house and I just got it up to production. Mm. I was starting to put little paper bags on the fruit and stuff. And I was getting these amazing peaches out of it. Mm. And then when we redid the fences, the um, excavator had to come in yeah. and we were just, it was literally 30 or 40 centimetres closer into the house than it could be. We couldn't fit the excavator down. No, you and didn't have to pull it out. Yeah, we had to cut it down. Oh. Had no choice. Couldn't, oh. could not get a... What fence somewhere else? Mm, sort of defined. When you see our place, you understand it's like a sheer drop-off. Oh. Um, mm. And, I like, I'll get another one and put it up mm. in the orchard. But, um, but, like, those peaches, if you could beat the fruit fly, because fruit fly and peaches is a bit of a pain in the ass, but if you could beat the fruit fly, mm. they were just amazing. And you bite into them and you probably couldn't have them at a, at a supermarket because they were so soft. You'd bite into them and the juice would just drip down your chin. And You've got to eat that straight off the tree. Mm. You know. well, Curtis was excited. Yes, he came home. And he saw that there was little black mulberries on the mulberry tree. Dad, 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 is that, is that a mulberry? Is that a mulberry? You get it. <laughs> so this is like the five ripe mulberries That's on so the cool tree. I didn't even know oh, it's yeah. a mulberry. For goodness sake. The boys love their mulberries. Oh, wow. The, the, um, the twins at the moment is just bananas. Bananas, 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 bananas. Like, Four a day. Oh. Yeah. You just, here, have a banana. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and my, again, because when we did that fence, I had two little banana plantations well established and we were getting, I don't know, three bunches a year, which is more than enough bananas, even for mm. a family our size. Mm. But they all had to go when we did the fence, but I took. Oh, that friggin' fence. I took um, I took all the suckers out, but then, you know, it takes a little while to, yeah. and I reckon I'm about, I reckon, and this summer I'll get a couple of bunches this year. Oh, cool. But once you have, you know, once bananas go, you're right. Yeah. And they're just, those homegrown ladyfingers, that's oh. the go. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, that's about all my news. But I'm pretty excited that I'll be milking again sort of March next year, I think. Yeah. I have to get a – get. I think I'll um, – and, and how excited are you about having a fence? <laughs> that's pretty exciting. It's good to know that I'll get these cows and I can't lose them. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's hilarious. I still don't. Every now and again, we'll drive home and Curtis will go, Daddy, where's your cows? Yeah. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> the great life history, son. Yeah. The boy, the boy. I love how you call Curtis the boy. The boy on his bike. <laughs> well, yeah. We've been watching, um, we've been watching, it's, it's very interesting watching kids grow up because um, Curtis is a very cautious kid. Like even the, the food processor, you know, you press it and you, you sort of got to talk to him about 
you know, I'm going to make the noise now. If you just do it, he'll get scared and he'll run away and won't come back into the kitchen. Yeah. But if you can talk him into sort of doing it himself, then it's all good. Yeah. And so he never really takes much risks. And we watched this bike show with this guy that does amazing things on this bike. I'll put, I'll put it in the show notes. On sort of built environment, he rides around cities and jumps off roofs and well, and he tweeted this link to this new film that these um, downhill mountain bike guys had done, mm. and it's a this amazing film shot really high definition, um, all sort of set up cameras that they designed specifically for particular shots. Mm. It must have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so I bought this video for Curtis and he started watching this and yeah. I don't know, we paid 15 bucks for it and I reckon we're down to about a cent of view. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so oh, – He loves it. Cool. It's, it's, so, it's one of those things like if you watch The Wiggles a million times, you get pretty over it. Mm. But this is so well shot and the music's so well done and the, the photography so well done. You just – it doesn't wear as quickly yeah, some yeah, of yeah. some of There's kids' no programs. Jingle going on, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, mm. So he started watching that, and then he's um, like, "Well, we'll look for other stuff with these riders in it." So we get into the the competition stuff, and there's this thing called Rampage where they ride off these cliffs in Utah, which is just absolutely insane, like twenty meter drops and crazy stuff but you're gonna walk, look out the back one day and see him flying over the back cliff <laughs> well I, yes and i think we'll we'll build a track into lantana land for him but he's starting to like get up on seats with his bike and jump off seats and and doing little things like this which he just never would have done three weeks ago so I'll, i might download that cooking show and see if he likes that and that might get him Interested in like he's pretty interested in food anyway, but that might get him into um, into cooking a bit more because it really does. You know what they watch really does influence yeah. him, and, and on a level you just sometimes you don't really know until something happens a bit later on. Yeah, so that has to be something I suppose that reels them in, whether it's the music or the action. Or we were laughing many years ago about doing cooking shows for kids. It was funny, I had this friend and we had sparkles, you know, we had the whole cast going. Was it, were we doing this podcast when I was talking about that? No. It was so funny. We, you know, we used to get blind rolling drunk and laugh about everyone's characters and we'd all of a sudden launch into some kids' cooking show, <laughs> which was a bit not quite right, you know. But, yeah, there's a lot of kids, um, uh, there's a lot of kids' entertainment like uh, what's the show we watch quite a bit? Shaun the Sheep. So Shaun the Sheep is a, is a, is a, it's a kid's show. There's no dialogue to it. So it's all about this flock of sheep and the sheepdog that looks after them, the farmer, and the farmer's a bit dense and, you know, quite often they're doing something to the farmer. But there's just, um, like, so on one level it's just this show with these sheep that do lovable things and there's no dialogue and the farmer talks but it's, you know, yeah. can never understand what he's quite saying. But... There is so many in-jokes for adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were watching one day <laughs> and um, the sheep were trying to, to, to um, I can't remember what they are trying to get. They are trying to get something off the farmer and they were trying to creep up on him yeah. and they were in this perfect formation. And Ryan turns to me and goes, that's Michael Jackson's um, uh, 
Thriller. Yeah. It's the dance from Thriller, like the the, the actions, the, yeah, that right. herky jerky action, and like you. We could have watched that 20 times and not got it. And, like, obviously the same thing. The writers are sitting there going, well, we could just do it straight, but let's do it like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the adults will have a bit of a chuckle. The kids will have no idea. they've got to watch that shit too. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's that sort of stuff that will get you watching. You're quite happy to watch again and again because I'll watch Shaun the Sheep all day. Yeah. Because I'm always wondering what I've missed. <laughs> Do you know what I'm, I'm always after that in joke that I haven't seen. There was I don't know if you do you ever see Blackadder? Yeah, I love Blackadder. So there's yeah. a there's an episode speaking of apples, there's an episode where the the pigs have this um, apple tree in their pigsty. Yeah. And they're picking the apples and eating them and taunting the sheep and the dog that they've got these apples and the, and that the sheep don't. And so the sheep try and Sean tries to get in to get these apples and he, you know, he keeps he keeps trying to get in. So And the fourth time he tries to get in, the, the pigs, and they use music really well in this show, the pigs build a uh, sandbank wall yeah. and put, you know, a pot on their head and, and, and sort of shoulder arms and stuff like that. And there's a little sort of motif that plays in the background, probably goes for... 10 seconds yeah. and like I'm listening to it one day and I'm like I know that music where's that music from and so after Curse went to bed I went and replayed it and it was the um the theme from Black Out of Four you know the one in the trenches <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was the opening theme music just two bars of the opening theme music as they built this sandbank wall like they had in the trenches in World War Two. Oh, I've watched that like 15 times and it's only now I've picked up on it and it's like, man, they must have just, just shit themselves laughing when they were writing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, clever. Very clever. So you should do a kids' cooking show, Sal. Yeah. I could tell you what kids like. Jelly. How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you do it? It's pretty funny. I, I, it'd have to be... Um, Short, something that holds their attention span and easy and have lots of jelly. They get sick of jelly. Mm. Can't have jelly every No, no, they like making jelly. I don't know why. Curse loves making jelly. Really? Mm. Can't make jelly every show though, can no. you? No. <laughs> you'd have to have, you know, you'd have to have caricatures. Yeah. You? Like the chef and the chef's assistant would have to be some kind of other character or. Yeah. I don't know. Kids are um, like there's the Wiggles. I think different kids like different stuff. Some like that really over caricatures stuff, yeah. and other kids I think it just comes over a bit fake. Mm. Curtis is not. He sort of comes and goes on the Wiggles. Doesn't really hasn't really been obsessed with it like I thought all kids were. I thought it was just one of those prerequisite things that yeah, all kids right. were obsessed with. Are the they still around the Wiggles? Well, it's just like a franchise now. It's like McDonald's. There's like one original oh, member. Oh, right. They were just running around those coloured skivvies. Yeah, and three new ones. Oh, not the same. No. But, hey, got to keep on oh, bills. Keep, yeah, clean sweep. I think it's just it's probably generational now. There's kids, uh, parents who grew up on the Wiggles and then want their kids to. So you've always got to be producing new material. Yeah, new Wiggles stuff. Hmm. Would you? Does it, I mean, wake up, Jeff's going to work. 
every time, isn't it? Possibly. I might Google that, see if there's any good kids cooking shows. That'd be really funny to see. There is a there's a really good series with um, on ABC with two young kids, a boy and a girl, and they go and do stuff. So they might go to a to a chef's place and. What you could, you know you could do? You should just put make your own bloody YouTube station because you've got mm. so much spare time. Um, <laughs> When you go out into your little garden thing, you know, you can just get Vanessa to run behind you with the – because she's got such fish, aren't yeah. you? Who's, who's looking after the three <laughs> kids in this scenario? Yeah, they're, so. in they're in it. They're in it. You might need to wait till the twins are a little bit more um, – Responsible. Irresponsible. They're not going to be, you know, <laughs> killing each other inside or something. Crying. Crying. But you could – be a great series, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I would grow this and Curtis would be like, oh, what's it? Like, mul- I mean, it'd be kind of cool. And then you go inside and you go, you know what? We're going to make mulberry jelly. Yeah. Here we go. We're making mulberry jelly. YouTube it. Have and you- then you've got Lantana Land happening. You with your weird ass shit going on. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> Have you been watching? That's um, franchise just waiting to happen. Kevin McLeod's new one. You know, I Kevin McLeod. I love McLeod. Kevin McLeod. Have you seen his new one? What what is it new one? Is yeah, on on one? iView. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It might be off now because it was. We watched the last of it the other week. Um, these British people who go and live in oh yes, yes. The, the crazy crazy yeah. places. Mental. Yeah, and the you know ten year old with the machete. Yeah. Trimming branches down and <laughs> and like that's good TV. How do you kill a snake? Oh, you just get a machete and chop its head off. <laughs> Kevin's like. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was a good series. I was surprised. I thought he would be so much more chilled and relaxed about, but he was like freaking out about being out in the out in the wilds. <laughs> he did not look at home at all. I didn't realise he was such a city guy. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And the other night I was watching some grand designs, and he, when he was young, and then I, then the, that night I watched. Yeah. A, uh, and then he's got no hair. Thing. And then I went, oh, my God, we've kind of grown old. It's Kevin yeah. <laughs> Look what he looks like. It's funny how the personality and, you know, we talked about um, River Cottage and, the, and you know, the way they franchised mm. it in Australia. But the personality of that person that drives it, and I don't think it's necessarily the per- personality of the person on camera, but it's the passion and the belief and the fact that he, I would imagine, says this is the way we're going to do it in, yeah. the, in the back room as well. as. Because like, the- is the Australian one gone anyway? I mean, it's not on anything. Uh, yeah, he's no, not, it's still going, is it? There was, someone said there was an article he's or that he it's was terrible. frustrated with the um, – that, that they were trying to hit certain notes. So they basically had a plan, you know, they had a – a thing that said, you know, Hugh did this, so we need to be doing these things. Mm. Whereas the smart way to do it would have been to set the guy up, you know, Hugh had. And let him grow with his community, like yeah, what Hugh did. With that's his right. Community. Hugh Hugh's sort of initial stuff, if you look at it, didn't necessarily come from them trying to set stuff up. It came from the characters they had in the community, and you can't generate those characters. You just have to find 
the people in the community and they might not be the same archetypes. They might be different and it's going to take you different places. But if you're not flexible enough and you just want to hit exactly the same sort of thing, so let's find an eccentric chicken guy and it's not going to work as well. No. Um, Well, it hasn't really taken off here, has it? I've never... Um, well, the last time I checked, it was still going. But Foxtel's, you know, they they just got to generate content. So, look, if if my kitchen rules and hot plate oh and whatever. Oh my god, those shows are shit. <laughs> you watch them all the time. I know. I they, can't believe I watch. They are, are, are um our chicken skill place. Are they going to be able to talk to us now that they've they've won a reality TV show? Are they we going to be too far? We're going to do a podcast, <laughs> weren't we? Oh, we should have gone before. Oh, we'll never be able to go there now. Has it helped them? Have they taken off, do you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, they're always packed. Yeah. I mean, as far as I can see, they were the most successful operators amongst that function. What were those? Well, you didn't watch it. But <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking honestly, about. They were bloody weird. Bloody weird. None of them could cook. None of them even knew food. They go, Jack, what's a big tie box? I was like, oh, seriously? <laughs> What's a bedtime box? Uh, I mean, you're not talking to people that don't know food. You're talking to people that are in the food industry and all think they're passionate about this yeah. thing. It's like, you know, I know not everyone knows so, what bento box is, but. But what were professional restaurant owners doing on a reality TV show? Trying to win 100 grand. Well, that's Plus, they got their restaurant decked out. They got 20 grand spent on their restaurant. So, bloody good money, I would think, if you're um, mm. trying to run a restaurant. And if you're competent. Mm. And good profiling. I mean, those bird's nest girls, they want to, they were saying at the end they want to franchise their restaurant all around Australia. And I mean, their restaurant you could easily franchise because yeah. it's such a simple concept. But, um, and that will help them. Yeah, because everyone it. knows what, who they are. Yeah, so for them it was strategic and it was, but well, for the others it was. That, that was like the, um, the honey guys, the um, flow hive guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I found out about their, Kickstarter or mm. whatever their fundraising, I was like, oh, come on the, you know, even if you do a little interview with me on Skype and I'll, I'll pump it up. And, like, they were so busy trying it because they they were like a three-man team before they before they started that. Before they got their 20 million bucks. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> the day after it opened and, like, they raised, you know, four times the amount in 12 hours than, than what they had. I was like, oh, they're never going to talk yeah. to me now. You know, yeah. they'll be... Yeah. They'll be on Channel 9 and whatever. Yeah. Oh, no. It's that, it's that one. <laughs> so, Never mind. Well, it's only another uh, two or three weeks and I get my frames. I would have liked to have got a whole hive, but they're not cheap. Oh, from the Flow Hive guys? Yeah. How long did you have to wait for that? Oh, what did I pay? Yeah, halfway through last year, so oh. almost to 12 months, yeah. Jeepers, they must have just been slammed. Well, I think it's just... Because they had so many orders from the thing is you've got to be able to – it's no use going, well, we're going to stick to our plan and do what we're going to do. All of a sudden then you've got to go and find someone that can manufacture for you on a large scale. Mm. So you you pretty much have to stop dead. Like they reckon that that a fair few Kickstarters, successful Kickstarters, one of their biggest problems is they expect to sell 2,000 products and – it gets a bit of publicity and all of a sudden they've got to sell 20,000 products and they've got no way of scaling. So 
it would take them three years to fill orders and in three years people aren't interested. Yeah. So you've got to be able to scale immediately. And like those flow hive guys are set, you know, eventually someone in China will just steal the technology and sell them cheap somewhere else. Yeah. But they'll be multi, multi, multi-millionaires by the time that happens. Yeah, yeah. Just, just based on how many people are interested in the Kickstarter and there would be a lot of people like me who bought the minimum, which is four frames, to have a look. Yeah. And then, like, if I had the spare cash, I would buy my parents and I'd buy you and I'd buy anyone who, well, probably not you because you guys don't own a house at the moment, but if, <laughs> if you owned a place. But a mighty fine rental. But if, if you owned a place, I would just go, I'll buy you the, like, or you buy the flow hive, I'll split a hive off and I'll put it in because then I only have to come and look at the bottom box once a year mm. to make sure that everything's okay. And the rest of the time you walk out with a jar because half the, the management of hives is making sure they don't fill up. Mm. So you just walk out with a jar and get yourself some honey. It's, mm. it's mental, isn't it? The only thing is that the, the couple of beekeepers are worried about people that set them up and then forget about them and that's when you can spread disease. But the hives will just die if you don't. If someone isn't looking at the queen and checking that stuff out, mm. they'll, they'll just die. Uh, mm. I don't think it'll actually spread disease. But the thing is if you if you keep the, 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 the frames relatively, like the, as long as there's space for them to fill yeah. um, and you're not disturbing them, like half the, the, the problem with pests is opening a hive up and you – Every time you open a hive up, you're sort of disturbing it, disturbing the bees, and you weaken the bees a little bit, and the pest gets stronger. If you're not opening the hive all the time, it's pretty, wow. pretty impressive. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Yeah, it's pretty full. Anything else we have now? Um, no, not really. I've really been doing much at all. It's no use plugging your um okay. your your rag rugging because that's this weekend. It's this weekend, I won't hear it by this weekend. No. Okay. What have you got coming up? I'm doing Annie Sloan chalk painting classes. Mm. <laughs> I've become quite crafty. Yes, I have noticed that. <laughs> that means I am old because oh, you become crafty. I was talking to a mate of mine who runs a little digital media company, and we were sort of best friends in high school. And um, when we came to uni. Uh, but he started his own business sort of three years out of uni and is quite driven and works long hours and he's single and jet sets all over the world and I'm and having a bit of a chat. Hey, you know, how's the kids? And I was like, man, our lives have gone completely <laughs> different paths, you know, and not through – like even Vanessa's um, talking about uh, take her career is probably going to have to not wind down but go a different way because – for her career to keep progressing, she needs to be working you know, big stupid hours. hours yeah. not, not stupid hours, but big hours. And the, the twins just don't let you do that, you know. Yeah, you know, that's... Well, and the problem with research is that it won't... It's a real stupid thing, but it won't wait for you. Mm. If you pause for a couple of years while the kids get a little bit older, you can't go back, which yeah. seems insane that you do... 10 or 12 years of training and getting better at something mm. and then... Why? Is that because... It's, um, just, it's just the, the way it is. Developments like, go so quickly that you're you, you, then out of touch? 
Um, a little bit you of that. You always need to go back and retrain because but methods I, change or technology uh, or... Nah, not really. I actually think that that's what they use and is excuse. Mm. But um, I think it's a little bit of... Um, uh, a little bit of prejudice, actually. I think it's a bit of old school. Uh, you've been out for a couple of years, so you can't come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're like they frame it in that way that you know that researchers move beyond you. But I actually think if you've been trained that much at a PhD plus level and you've got all that knowledge, and they sort of exclude you at that point, I think, is, is nuts. She can go back and do research, but not not the research where she gets to drive the research where, you know, she comes up with the idea of research and pushes that through. Yeah, right. So then you're excluding everyone that has kids that's not psychopathic. So she's got <laughs> she's got a, a um, and I doubt this person will listen to the podcast so I can tell the story, she has a, uh, a colleague that when she had kids, her mum came and looked after the kids and to get ahead in the research thing, she basically worked from home unpaid all through her maternity leave while her mum looked after the kids so that when she came back to work, she could basically drop six months of work into the pipeline and, and get ahead. But she missed the first six months of her kids growing up. Oh, I just mental. Oh, I think that's a bit crazy. And I don't think, I don't actually think in in an area that is public health and he's talking about, you know, progr- yeah. programs to reduce stress and yeah, exactly. and work-life balance and, like, yet their actual practices don't no. match up to what they do. It's just the way it is, I guess. That's why it's good to work for yourself, Sal. So I'll put some, um, some painting... Links in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come and do a painting class. Got palette making, palette furniture making. Oh, yeah. Got all sorts of things coming up. We've actually had to change the direction of our business, which is quite, kind of interesting. We're in the process of changing this vintage because the dollar, the ass has fallen out of the dollar. Yeah, we're so in the same boat. We've actually, we're kind of, you know, zigging and zagging, and we've decided that we're through running this business for a couple of years, we've met all these amazing people that make recycled furniture. The guy makes tables out of those big cable barrels. We've met a guy that makes really cool bars out of pellet furniture. So we're looking at putting together like a collective of people that make furniture and then we will go and sell it to architects and designers as in a complete fit out so they can get different looks and stuff. So that's kind of what we're doing at the moment. We're putting that all together so that we've got – Lookbooks and different things, so we can go and approach architects and sell, a, you know, a group of artisans' yes. work. Um, Which is on behalf of if, if you're a maker, the last thing you want to have to go and do is find people to buy shit. You just want people yeah. to buy your stuff, and it's kind of cool. You know, it's it's interesting because I've been doing this course, and it's about get your mission statement. And my mission statement is, I want people to care as much about where their furniture comes from as their locally grown. Food. Organic tomato. I mm. mean, shit, you sit in this restaurant that they're crapping on about how the lamb's from locally, mm. but you're sitting on a chair from China, China. that a five-year-old's made in the middle of the night. It's like, yeah. come on. So that's my soapbox at the moment. Mm. Cool. It's kind of fun. <laughs> so if you own a restaurant <laughs> and you want some sustainable furniture, come and see Sal. Yeah, we buy old furniture and we do it up or we'll 
make some stuff for you out of recycled things. Mm. Come and see us. All right, Sam. Talk to you later. See you later.